January is the month in which most people, is the biggest month for filing divorces. And I think because the holidays are super, super tough. That's the thing I try and remind people I'm working with all the time, that even if they're doing it behind closed doors, the kids have a sense that something isn't right. Hey, Catherine, welcome. And how are you today? I'm great, Rich. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm just, I'm super excited to have someone who I know from personal experience is an expert to help us out with these questions today. But before we really get started, I feel like the people who are here today really deserve to know what makes you an expert. So if you could share a little bit of the story you've told me about why you do what you do, I think that'd be super helpful. Sure. Well, I don't know if I'm an expert, but I do have a lot of experience. I went to law school, Rich, because I was interested in justice. And I realized in the orientation week that that is not what the uh, law school experience was going to be like, but I didn't have a plan B. So I come from a family of therapists, and I decided to devote my legal education and my legal career to the intersection of the law, where it meets people in their personal lives. And so quite soon after law school, I got a job in a family law matrimonial divorce firm in New York City. And our practice was half child welfare litigation and half matrimonial litigation. And after a couple of years, I thought, wow, you know, there's got to be a better way to help our clients resolve these family conflicts other than by going to court. And so I took a mediation training and I started to try to integrate those mediative ideas of settling based on what's important to the people and what their own personal criteria was and their own personal preferences versus my opinion of what a judge might do or even a judge's opinion, uh -huh. what the right result must be. And in every single case, I ran into the same problem and that problem was the other lawyer. And not that they were bad lawyers or bad people, but just that they and I could not get on the same page about how we were going to settle these cases. And you should know that in New York, 97, 97% of people who are getting divorced settle before a judge makes a decision after a trial. And nationwide, that statistic is 95%. I mean, those are pretty good odds that you are getting to are going to come to a resolution and sign a document with all the terms of your divorce and a judge isn't going to tell you what those terms are, which is actually a really good thing. But when you realize that that's the situation, you realize that it's not whether or not you're going to settle, it's how. Anyway, back to my experience. So I did that for about 10 years, and then I got divorced myself. And uh, sitting in the client's chair, I realized, I really realized in my heart what I had intellectually thought for all that time, that this divorce process was really disorienting, disruptive, and um, really quite destructive for, for my life. And I decided I couldn't do it anymore. So I actually thought I was going to leave the law. I quit my job. I looked around for something else to do with my life. And I took another, then I took another mediation training and I took a collaborative law training. And I, I got really excited that there actually was a way for lawyers like myself, coaches and other professionals like you and financial professionals to help divorcing families transition to another shape, another place in their lives besides being married that wasn't as disruptive and destructive as the way I was practicing before. 
And so that was about 20 years ago. And since that time, I have founded a law firm based on those principles of divorce with dignity and helping people focus on their children, which is really personally important to me. So it, it sounds like you not only have years of experience watching other people go through it, but you've it's like the haircut for men, the hair club for men. You've actually been a customer. I've definitely been a customer. And I'd say that I haven't I haven't just watched other people go through it. I've really gone through it with my clients side by side, experiencing, hearing, being there as the process of the negotiation, their their pain and ultimately some coming to some settlement that really works for them and their realization that the that there is life on the other side and it will get better. If you're younger than 40, the Hair Club for Men was an ad that used to run on television when television was really on televisions. And it was all about a guy who had lost his hair and had a hair replacement process. But forgive me for the dated humor. So anyway, um, Catherine, I love that you have the inside perspective and the professional perspective. And I'm curious, we've basically got three situations moving into the holidays. We've got people who are thinking about getting divorced and but things are and things are really bad you know that's why they're thinking about it we've got people who are getting divorced and they're still living together they're probably pretty new in the process of divorce and we've got people who might even be living apart and what what i'm wondering is can you identify what are some of the potential problems for each of these groups and why don't we just start with the people who are who are thinking about divorce and they're just not sure what what are the po- problems that they can look forward to yeah well you know january is the month in which most people is the biggest month for filing divorces and i think that one of the reasons for that is because people are think wow i'm never going to go through another holiday season like that again because the holidays are super super tough Anyway, you could be in a perfectly intact, happy marriage and still struggle through the holidays. You've been there, been there, done that. Right. Extended family, the financial stress of it, just trying to get your work done. Just the fact that it's family. Right. Exactly. And so when your marriage is in trouble and those things don't get better. And and so there's a few things to, to watch out for. One is that stress about extended family that's even worse than than normal. And sometimes people are just like, you know what? I just don't want to do it. And so they, what seemed like, well, this is how we did it for year after year after year. Now somebody might be saying, you know what? I just, I don't want to go to your parents for Thanksgiving. Or, you know, I just, I, I don't, I don't want to have everybody over on Christmas Eve or whatever it is. And that can be extremely disruptive. And it can feel like, you know what? That's really a break in our tradition. That is that breaks a promise that we've made to our kids or made to ourselves. And so there's a lot of fighting that can happen around those kinds of things. But it also breaks up a lot of history. Remember that time on Thanksgiving when this happened? I'm still mad at you about that. I still haven't forgiven. Your mother hates me. I hate your sister. This is going to suck. Why are we even doing this? So extra fighting happens during that time. And one of the risks of, of living together especially when you haven't yet decided whether or not you're d- divorcing, is that you're going to have these fights in front of your kids. Uh-huh. And and that- Potentially. Potentially. Right. And they, well, they're definitely going to know that it's going on. So if you're not really, really careful 
about managing it. So yeah, no, no, that's that, that's the thing I try and remind people I'm working with all the time that even if they're doing it behind closed doors, the kids have a sense that something isn't right. Absolutely, you think they're asleep, but they're not. You know, you know, you think they're out of the. Well, they, even if they never hear you, they notice the tension. Exactly, and so you know, trying to keep that that away from the kids. We all know, or we've all heard that conflict between parents, high conflict between parents is really, really destructive for kids, whether or not the parents are married or or not. Mm -hmm. So this is a way you can protect your kids by really not showing that in front of them. But what's really hard- We're not not in the solutions yet, but- uh, Well, let me just say, what's really hard is that it, when you're, when you're still living together and you haven't yet made that decision, it's like, it's really hard not to have it just kind of like burst out of you. And so getting some Deal, dealing with that is a big problem as well. Well, so let's talk about situation number two. You've, you're in the process of divorce. Maybe you've just pulled the trigger or maybe it's been going on for a while, but this is your first holiday and you're still under the same roof. How can that amplify the situation or maybe it tones it down? I don't know. What's your experience with this? I, th- I think it sometimes it just tones it down because now, you know, this is your last Thanksgiving together. This is the last time you're going to have to do this. So the danger there, uh, first of all, question is, have you told the kids yet, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, just a query whether or not you've told the kids yet, but it can be a little easier to negotiate how you're going to deal with the in-laws, how you're going to deal with the with the, with the the celebrations, you know, what you're going to say to people. So you want to make sure that you're getting on the same page about those kinds of things. But I think it lets a little bit of the steam out of the pressure cooker, and so it's a little less it's sad. I mean, and that's the thing for the for people in that situation. It can be just terribly, terribly sad. Mm. Uh, the end of what has been a family tradition is imminent. Was that your personal experience? Uh, it sounds like you know about that. I think that it's what my clients have told me over the years. You know, my own personal experience is that massive fight on Thanksgiving morning. That really, uh, where my former husband told my children on the street uh, outside of a diner on Columbus Avenue that mommy and daddy were getting a divorce. Mm. They were too young to even know what that meant. It was a horrible fight. But, you know, the decision was still in the process of being made. So I'd say we fell into the first category. Mm. I think that once uh, the second category, once you're in that, you've really decided, then that all that pressure of having are my am I going to decide this or not goes away and then you're forced with you're, you're faced with what that might look like in the future got it got it all right so that's a surprise so actually once you've pulled the trigger so to speak once everybody understands where they're going yeah there's going to be a lot of emotion and a lot of feeling around it but in a way it's let some steam out of the pot and it makes things a little easier yeah I think so that's my experience all right, let's talk about situation number three, where you've you're in the divorce process and you're living apart, but and you still have the holidays to come up. What are some of the potential challenges of that experience? Yeah, especially when it's new, right? Mm-hmm. And and one of the saddest things about getting divorced is that you're not going to be likely not going to be celebrating every holiday with your kids. That's certainly not something that I ever expected to happen, that I wouldn't be celebrating every Thanksgiving and every Christmas and, you know, every holiday. Of course, they're my kids. I'm going to spend the holidays with them. And now I'm not. I have to share that time. And so I think that there can be arguing and bickering uh, about that. 
And one of the dangers there is that then we just try to split everything. Okay, you'll have Thanksgiving from four to six on Thursday. I'll pick them up from six to eight. You know, then I'll have them back by eight. And, you know, and then, you know, it's like all this back and forth. And I think the the biggest risk there is to think about your poor kids. You know, how many turkey dinners can they have? Yeah. Whatever it is. And so finding some way to make this fun for them and put them at the center and really try to protect them, even when it's really sad for us. So there can be some bickering about it. There can be some um, sort of bait and switch where something is said and then somebody doesn't deliver on it or, you know, you're supposed to drop the kids off at eight, it's 930 and they're still not here, you know, those kinds of things. So I think getting really, really clear on what it's going to be and then well, you don't want to talk about solutions yet. So, um, but those, those are some of the things that come up. And also, you know, how are we handling for holidays where present giving is a thing? You know, when parents are, are living together, whether or not they've decided to get divorced or not, there can be stress about how to handle that. What's an appropriate gift? Are we giving a joint present? Are we giving uh-huh. presents? And that can also be a thing when it comes to when you've lived, a, when you're living apart now. Are we giving separate presents? Are our kids now doubling down? You know, they've got not twice as much stuff. Or are we going to agree on one gift that we're giving them? And what about where one parent has more financial resources than the other? One parent can buy a, like a fantastic present and the other one's giving, you know, a matchbook car. So I'm just going to match you on your uh, dated references. <laughs> uh, matchbook. They still have matchbook cars. I just want you to know. All right. So. As you're speaking, I was remembering my first Thanksgiving with divorce declared, living together. I remember that I surrendered Thanksgiving to the mother of my children and ended up going out with a friend of mine to like a restaurant for Thanksgiving. And what, how different that was. Actually, it was one of the best Thanksgivings ever because it was so unpressured. I was finally not in the pressure cooker of family not in, not in the middle of all that it was kind of a huge relief. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it isn't necessarily, I, I love the way you brought out, you know what? It isn't necessarily bad if you're in the process already, you know, the, the good, the good things can come out of it. So let's explore the legal landscape that's happening behind these three situations. Catherine, if you could, let's start with folks who have a tough situation at home. They're going into the Bermuda Triangle, the holidays, but they haven't they haven't pulled the trigger. They haven't made a decision. They haven't done anything legally yet. What what are some of the legal strategies or what's the legal background they should be considering as they move into this period of time? Well, for one thing, everybody who's thinking about divorce, even if they haven't decided to divorce, but they're thinking about it should talk to a lawyer, whether or not it's the holidays or any time of year, because that's a very serious decision. And one should make it with full knowledge of everything that it entails and a strategy in place to get the best result, not only for yourself, but for your children and your family as a whole. It sounds like if you're in the place where you need to make a decision, understanding what might be in front of you either way, is going to be really helpful. Understanding what's going to happen, how long the journey is, what the potential costs are on the one side, or you know what the risks might be of not getting divorced. It sounds like that's going to be really important information for folks in that position. 
Yeah, I think so. And I think it would be, it's really kind of a calming thing. So remember when I said earlier that people in this place of not knowing what they're going to do are in a, a motion, an emotional cauldron. And there's a lot of stuff bubbling around and boiling up in there. And talking to a lawyer can get a lot of that stuff out. You know, like I, I sometimes people think, oh, you know, everybody's going to think I'm a horrible person or there's a lot of shame involved. But talking to a lawyer who does this on a day in, day out, week in, week out basis will help kind of normalize that. And you can sort of figure out, you know, is this really so terrible what's happening in my life or not? Uh, because another thing that can happen if you don't really have a way to calm down that cauldron of emotions bubbling and boiling at this is that it kind of seeps out here and there and you mm. are are much more likely to argue you're much more likely to have conflict you're much more likely to say something in the heat of anger like i'm gonna i want to divorce you at the top of your lungs you know even if you don't actually mean that yet but that just because it's in your in your on your mind and in your heart that something is really really wrong and and saying something like that is just the wrong way to say it, even if it's the truth. And what what could potentially happen if you if you're going into the holidays and you've decided, hey, you know what? I really don't want to put my family through this for the holidays. I'm going to wait till January and February. What could the possible repercussions of maybe getting triggered and making some kind of remark like that be? Let's say you're. Let's say the other parent decides they want to pull the trigger. Right. Well, that is one of the potential repercussions. Right. Is if you say something that you didn't intend to say, then you might take yourself out of the driver's seat. And you now you're in a position of reacting to a decision that your partner has made, as opposed to proacting and and doing it in a way that in a time that works better for you. So uh, that's one risk. Another, and if you're in the receiving end of that, uh, I think you need to find some way to retreat and think through what it is you're going to do and how you're going to respond. Mm. So basically taking a break and saying, you know what? I can't talk to you about this now. And going to see a lawyer, maybe it sounds self-serving, but really knowing what your options are rather than reacting in a, in in the moment. The, the way that you react in the moment is almost guaranteed to be unhelpful and not strategic. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. How about the second group? And these are people who are already, maybe they're just beginning the divorce process and they're moving into the holidays. What are, what's the legal landscape for, for their situation? Yeah. So I think what you, in that situation, you know, you're getting divorced, you know, you're going to be in a negotiation or in a litigation or, or some combination there, right? So you want to make sure that you don't say something really stupid that could come back and bite you in the ass later on. So no threats no negotiations, no discussion about what you're going to do in the future. You know, sometimes people will be in this place like, okay, well, we're getting divorced, but we're going to have every Thanksgiving together for the rest of our, until our children are grown up or forever. Mm. You know, kinds of promises can be, you know, great if you can do it and it works for you and there isn't going to be conflict, you know, more power to you, but most people can't do that. And there's no reason that it's better or worse to do that. I think you want to make sure that you don't make promises that will later seem be unrealistic and then be seen to be breaking something that you committed to. And so please don't negotiate during the holidays about what future holidays will look like or about anything else. And on the other hand, you can also 
be careful not to argue and say stuff in the argument that you will also later regret. You know, threaten threats that somebody won't ever see the children, threats that you're going to move them across the country, threats that they're never they're not going to have enough money to live, that they're mm-hmm. gonna, you know, all of that sort of stuff can happen in the stress of the moment. And and those those comments are just going to be painful. They're going to make the holiday worse, and they're going to hurt you, the sayer, more than they're going to hurt the other person in the end, in the negotiation or in the litigation. Um, you know, in the, it seems like there's t- two kinds of parental relationship. That's really an exaggeration. There's two poles in parental relationship in the divorce process, and if we're honest, really in in the marriage process, right? On the one end, you've got the co-parents, these are two parents who have agreement about the well-being of the child. They may not agree on anything else, but they agree on what the well-being of the child is, and they make decisions from a set of values around what they agree definition of the well-being of the children is. And on the other end, you've got parents who are, let's just say they're parallel, I think they're called parallel parents, they're in complete disagreement, or maybe they've got some agreement about the well-being of the child, but mostly they want to do things differently. And then, you know, one is on one end of the scale, the other is on the other. And in reality, most parents married or getting divorced or divorced fall somewhere in a scale there. I mean, in real life, there are no perfect co-parents and there are no, uh, we hope, really awful parallel parents, though I've certainly seen a few. Um, what suggestions would you have for this, this, particularly these folks who are just moving into the holidays together, uh, let's talk about the co-parenting situation and the parallel parenting situation. You know, how, in, in terms of the legal landscape, is there anything that that these folks really need to look out for? Well, that's a pretty big question. So let me just back up for a second and say, listen, I think that all parents want what's best for their children. They just don't always agree mm. on this, right? And, and it's also true that sometimes our own desires are sort of projected onto our kids. And so it seems like what's best for our kids is sort of what we want. And, uh-huh. and you know, so we go back to, you know, no one wants to not be with their kids. Uh, I know what's best for my kid. It's that they spend all their time with me and no time with the other parent. That's what's best for them because the other parent is toxic and I am amazing. No, it's not just that. It's stability. It's maintaining consistency for them. It's it's a trap. All I mean, there's so many reasons that come up. And, and so therein is sort of like, it's really tough to always be on the same page about what's best for your kids. Mm-hmm. Intact family, right? Mm-hmm. We disagree about discipline. We can disagree about curfews. We can disagree about driving. There, we can disagree about you know having the our kids' friends over in our house when we're not there. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we could dis totally coming from a good place. Both parents mm-hmm. disagree about. Well, actually, in a functional relationship, they would resolve that disagreement creatively. But here we are. We've got parents who, in any of the scenarios we're talking about. They're not so good at resolving differences. So, what are the po- what's the the possible legal reverberations of getting into this over the holidays? Right. So the holidays can really highlight these differences. So, one, if you're already in the process or you're already divorced, it's really important to have clear written guidelines about what you're going to do, especially mm. early on. Later on, if you've had an experience of parenting together, uh, 
as divorced parents for a few years, and maybe the feelings of anger and hurt and betrayal have died down. Maybe you repartner. Sometimes it softens up a little bit, and you can have a little bit more sort of blurriness. But in the beginning, it's really important if you have a lawyer or, or lawyers or mediator involved to have a clear understanding of exactly what the holiday is going to look like. So it, it, when we're in the situation of we're in the beginning, we're still kind of living together, not a comfortable about it, it becomes even more important to have an understanding of how you're going to do that. Who's going to go out to dinner with their best friend while you go to Thanksgiving with the kids kind of thing? Exactly. What time? The drop off and pick up is going to be who's going to do it? What are they going to bring with them? You know, and, and then not only to have that understanding, but then to abide by it. In the middle of the, of the holiday weekend, you could be thinking to yourself, wow, this stinks. I should never have agreed to this, but still do it because this, and you can renegotiate the next one. One of the beauties of going through this kind of thing while you're in the process of negotiating your divorce around your parenting agreement is you get to try this thing, these things on for size. Say, nice. Let's try this parenting plan. Let's try this holiday schedule. You know, this is what we think we're going to do, or this is what we're going to do this year. Let's try it on and see how it feels. And then come back and say, wow, that worked great. That wasn't so good. That worked this year, but I can't see that working next year because I want to go across country because my parents live there, whatever it is, right? And you get to sort of like check it out and see how it is. But don't get in the middle of it and then change it up. You're supposed to drop off, drop off. You're supposed to pick up, pick up. Don't mm -hmm. be like, you know what? If you were a really good person, you'd you'd drop off even though I'm supposed to pick up. You know, those are the kinds of things that just make it so much harder when you get back into negotiating the rest of the divorce. It makes a lot of sense. It's good strategy to do what you say you're going to do, at least in these interim. Yeah, yeah. You always do what you're going to say you're going to do, even if, it, even if you feel like you want to do something else. All right, so let's go to door number three. And presumably, we've got two people who are living apart, and ho and hopefully these people have got an agreement in place. If they don't, I mean, about the schedule, and if they don't, then they heard you, the advice you just gave to group number two applies to group number three, right? Hey, you, if you don't have a schedule in place, this would be a great time to get a schedule in place to get those uh, the parenting time boundaries in place for the holidays and stick to it to the best of your ability. What else do these folks need to know? They're living apart. They're growing into the holidays for the first time. What else? Do, you know, what what are the possible risks or what are the legal considerations? So again, you should do what the agreement says, especially if it's early on. Uh, I think that one thing that you might not realize is going to be a problem is you've got your kids. They're playing with your brother's kids. It's time for them to go, and they don't want to go. So, and they're going to say, I don't want to go. Mom, dad, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And you're, then you're, you're going to feel really torn. I've promised this, right? This is what the agreement is. But now I'm going to hurt my kids by taking them away from mm. their cousins or this set of cousins. And, and so it's really tempting, really tempting just to call up and say, hey, you know what? They don't want to leave. So I'm going to keep them. And yeah. like, and I'm just... My, my advice is not changing. I'm, I'm just sort of like getting up my crystal ball and saying that is going to happen. What if they actually don't want to leave? They don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. They're, when they're, for them, this is hard. They're like, wait a second, this is disruptive. I was with this set of fam this family with mom, and now I'm going to be with that family with dad, or it's going to be lonely at mom's. I've got all my cousins at dad's or or whatever it is, but that's what it is. And you should think, try to think about that 
ahead of time. So, you know, one of the things that I like people to think about, and for this group of people, maybe it's too late, but is to, rather than splitting holidays, divide them up so that kids aren't in that sort of being pulled away from one and and brought to the other. Mm -hmm. One thing that's really, you, you know, difficult for kids is that they want to please the parent they're with. Right. And so they say stuff to you like, I don't I, I don't want to go to dad's. I don't want to go to mom's. And it's true. They don't want to. But that doesn't mean they're not happy when they get there. And and so, you know, just like you have to inoculate yourself against that in the in the in the uh, in the beginning, the way when you take your kid to the doctor, to the pediatrician, they're like, I don't want a shot. Does it ever occur to you that they're not going to get inoculated against the dreaded diseases? You know, probably not. You know you have to do it. So, uh, so again, uh, people should do what the agreement says. And if they can't agree, then on, on what it is, then it's a good idea to have a mediator or a parenting coordinator or someone like that who can help uh, resolve disputes. And we're going to talk a little more about how to inoculate or prepare your kids for the holidays and for those kinds of agreements that might not seem. Uh, natural to them, given the history that you have the other, it might seem better to them, who knows, in the in the next segment. Hey, I understand that you have something you want to give the people who showed up today. Yeah, I wrote a book called The New Yorker's Guide to Collaborative Divorce. It goes through the New York uh, divorce process and what to think about, what the issues are in people terms. It also talks about how people might do it in the collaborative setting, that with the collaborative divorce setting. And um, I'd be happy to send them uh, an ebook of the New Yorker's Guide to Collaborative Divorce. Great. How can they find that? They can just email me at Catherine at Miller law.com and we will send it right over. Great. And uh, for anyone who is viewing this not live today or who's viewing the recorded version, the playback, uh, we're going to make sure that we have ways to get this information to you. Thank you so much. 